I've got something that I want to read to you. This is a testimony that a young man sent Kurt. Uh, he's not at camp. This, kid, this young man did not go to camp, but this young man attended Ground Zero. All right, and I want to read this to you. This was a young man uh, who used to go to Ground Zero. He's grown now, and let me read it to you. <clears throat> he says, I know I haven't seen you or talked to you in a while, but last you knew I was getting into trouble, and when I moved to Michigan, I didn't do so well. I became a gang member, and I started drinking a lot, and I got sent to county, and then they sent me to rehab when I was in county. I cried out to God and asked if he was there, would he give me a sign, and he answered. While in rehab, I've gotten out. I graduated with my GED. I'm doing better, and I wanted to thank you for the words you spoke over me Wednesday night in youth ministry in Ground Zero. You helped me. I want to thank you for being a part of my journey because I know God put you into my life for a reason, and you were there. I'm soon to be a father, and I'm really beginning to feel a true sense of happiness through Christ, and I wanted to simply say thank you. Amen. That's why we do Ground Zero, amen? Amen. Amen. The next big event we have going on, of course, is Men's Retreat. I know that seems like a long ways away, but it's really only about three months. And the dates are September 13th through the 16th. And uh, I had some of these, uh, and we gave them out, and I'll have more next week. If you weren't here last week, you remember I gave out the books in him. And uh, I ordered 200 of these books, and I have a few left, I believe, at the Red Desk. And if you didn't get one, uh, grab one of these. And uh, this little book changed Vicki and I's life. In the early days of our Christian life, we came across this book, and it really, really helped us. It really strengthened us. It really encouraged you. Everything I've been preaching the last two weeks that I'm going to talk about this week uh, is in this book. And uh, so if you didn't get one, grab one of those. And I've got a few left, I believe, at the Red Desk. Uh, Y'all took 200 of them. That's pretty amazing. Amen? All right. Excuse me. The Baptist preacher came to my house when I was a 12-year-old kid and sat in our living room, and I sat on my mother's paisley green velvet couch, and he shared the gospel, he shared the good news, and he asked if I wanted to receive Christ as my Savior, and I said I did. And as a 12-year-old, I invited Jesus Christ into my heart. The Bible says in the book of Colossians, at that moment, I was transferred out of one kingdom into another. I was translated. My citizenship was changed. My birth was changed. Colossians says that I was transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And it happened in a moment. It happened the instant I believed. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Jesus called it being born again. And at that moment, I became a child of God. I became a Christian. And I was transferred into the kingdom of God. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, the very same thing has happened to you. I don't know if you were 12. I don't know if you were 20. I don't know if you were 40. But the moment you did it, you became a believer. Now, the Bible says that that put you in Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, you are in Christ. Here's what we have found out. We found out with this little book right here. 
Anytime you read in the Bible the phrase in Christ, in Him, or in whom, it is connected to a promise that belongs to you. Listen, the Bible is not a book of rules, and there are rules in the Bible. The Bible is a lot of things. But one of the things it is, is a book of promises. You see, when you became a child of God, when you invited Christ into your life, instantly you were given promises that belong to you. And they're all conveniently listed in this little book right here. Now, I'm going to read you one that we read a couple of weeks ago, and I'd like to remind you, I'm going to read to you out of Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 8. Listen to what it says. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We've looked at this for two weeks. What does it say? It says that if you've received Christ as your Savior, that now, today, you are not under any condemnation. Now, the word condemnation means what? It means to pass sentence. All right? If Stephen commits a crime and he's arrested or he's given a ticket, doesn't matter if the crime is small. It doesn't matter if the crime is big. Okay? Sentence is passed. You can pay a fine or you can go to prison. doesn't matter. It depends on what you do, correct? Okay, we know that's the way the legal system operates. Spiritually, you and I were separated from God because of our sin. And when that happened, sentence or judgment was passed on us. You see, I should go to hell, even though I'm a good middle-class guy without Jesus. Amen? But here's what happened. Jesus went to the cross. He took my punishment. He took your punishment. And now that sentence has been paid, and you are no longer under sentence. And it happened the moment you invited Jesus into your heart. You with me? It happened instantly. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't work for it. You're born into it. Now, what did we find out? We found out in England that if you're royalty, it's because you're born into the family, correct? I can't be king whether I want to be king or not. You have to be born into that family. Isn't that correct? Okay, if you've been born into the family of God by accepting Christ as your Savior, you see this is for anybody and everybody, then you're no longer under sentence. Jesus took the price. It says there's therefore now no condemnation, no sentence placed on us. Look at it. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now there's the rub. You see, here's what we do. We disqualify ourselves. Oh, that might be for pastor. Pastor walks in the Spirit. But I can't have that promise because I don't. Listen to me. Here's what that means. To walk in the flesh doesn't mean your body. It means that you're going to do your own thing. You're going to do your own way. It basically means you're outside of the kingdom of God. You see, that's what it means to walk in the flesh. What does it mean? Well, you see, when I was a kid and I heard the gospel, here's what they taught us in the church I grew up in, that there was a throne in my heart. Y'all ever heard that? And I was sitting on that throne, right? And I had to get off of that throne, and I had to let Jesus get on the throne of my heart. Jimmy Evans says he becomes your Lord, and the word Lord means boss. Okay, so Rusty was sitting on that throne, 
and Rusty was in charge. I'm doing the levers, if there's levers. I don't know if there are, but I'm in charge. And when I heard the gospel, I voluntarily got off of that throne, and I invited Jesus to take control of my life. That's what it means to be a Christian. Doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean you don't blow it. But I'm no longer in charge. If I am in charge, then probably I'm not a Christian and I'm living according to the flesh. You remember back in the old days when people would say that Jesus was their co-pilot? Listen, Jesus does not want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be the pilot. Okay, he wants to be the boss. All right, that's the problem with a lot of our lives is we want to drive, we want to help Jesus drive, or we want to help him fly, when in fact he wants to be Lord or he wants to be boss. Are you with me? So the first promise we found out is, is I'm not under sentence and neither are you. Romans 8, 2, listen to what it says. It says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The moment you accepted Christ as your Savior, you became in Christ, and you're under a law. The law that you're under is the law of life, not the law of death. You're not cursed. Jesus took your curse. You're not under sentence. Jesus took your sentence. You and I are under the law of life in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Well, that means God wants to bless me. God wants to help me. God wants to encourage me. God wants to minister to me. God wants a relationship with me. You see it? All that happened when I invited Jesus Christ into my heart. That instant, that moment. You see, I was taken out of one kingdom and put into another. In Colossians, it says that we're no longer under the control or the dominion of darkness. No longer. No longer. When did that happen, Pastor? It happened in my mother's house on her couch when I was 12 years old. Did I know it? Lord, no, I didn't know it. No, I didn't know it. The devil thumped on my head for a long time after that. Right, Mario? That's why I don't have any hair, okay? Yeah, because the devil was thumping on my head. You see, that's what's wrong. We don't know who we are. We don't know what belongs to us. You see, I'm not under the law of sin and death. I'm not under the control and the dominion of darkness. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm a son. I'm a citizen. And I'm in a different kingdom. And all these benefits belong to me. You see, that's why the devil doesn't want you to read your Bible. He wants you to stay as far away from that Bible as you can. You know why? Because he's afraid you'll find out who you are. He's afraid you'll start reading it and start believing it. He's afraid you're going to read it like you do Facebook. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, everything on Facebook is true, right? Everything on Twitter is true. I mean, anything you read online is true. In the old days, we used to say, read your Bible like the newspaper. Well, most of y'all don't read the newspaper anymore. We're mostly online. But what if? What if you started reading your Bible and you just dared to believe it? And every time you came across a promise, you said, hey, that belongs to me. And I can have it and it's mine. Well, pastor, it sure doesn't seem like that's going on in my life. Let me give you a simple thing that'll help you. If you'll grab a hold of this little tiny blue book, I had to go to the doctor the other day for a checkup. So I grabbed my little blue book. Now, this is going to scare you, and I know it. 
This book was printed in 1975. You were there in 1975. Amen. So was I, brother. And we both had hair. Did you have hair in 75? No, you didn't. I did. Okay, I did. All right, I took this book with me to the doctor's office. And instead of reading a 10-year-old magazine that who knows how many people have touched and handled, I pulled my little book out. And it took me about 10 minutes to read through this. Here's what happens. I'm beginning to find out what belongs to me. I'm familiarizing myself with the promises of God. And I'm not going to let the devil talk me out of it. I'm not going to let my circumstances talk me out of it. I'm not going to let my religious background talk me out of it. Have you ever had anybody tell you that? Oh, you can't have that. That belongs to the Jews. Well, my Bible says I'm a Jew inwardly and that I've been circumcised in the heart. The promises of God are mine and they're yours and no devil in hell is going to get them away from me. Now listen, when you do that, it'll change your life instead of, well, I don't know. Maybe that's not what God meant. Well, my question to that is, why didn't he say what he meant? If he didn't mean what he said, why didn't he say what he meant? It's stupid, right? Okay, so it belongs to you. Let me give you another verse. Now, I know this is just review, but it's good. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Now, I love this verse. How many of you know you're in Christ? How many know you've invited Christ as your Savior? You're in Christ. Okay, then what's in this verse is yours. This is pretty simple, isn't it? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. It's yours. You get it. What does it say? It says, but of him are you in Christ. Oh, there it is. And look what it says. Who God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. When you got Jesus as your Savior, you get all four of these promises instantly. The first thing it says is you get wisdom. Listen, if you have Jesus in your heart, you have the wisdom of God in your heart. Wisdom's not out here, it's right here. If you're facing, how many of you need some wisdom? Man, I need some wisdom, right? You, you definitely need some wisdom, right? I know your kids, I mean, right? I mean, I know your husband, I mean, right? Thank you, brother, for helping today. I mean, he's back there. He's going to cut me off. <clears throat> okay, if you need wisdom and I need wisdom, well, this promise says that if you know Jesus as your Savior, you have wisdom. So what does that mean? Well, here's what I do. Lord, I thank you as I face whatever it is I'm facing. You help me because you're my wisdom. The next thing it says you have is righteousness. Righteousness is right standing. Okay, Stephen and I are friends. Now, I don't hang out at his house. He's way too young for me to hang out at his house. But we're friends. We're in right standing. He's not mad at me and I'm not mad at him. All right, we have a relationship. Mario and I are in right standing. We're friends. We have a relationship with each other. Brian and I know each other. We're getting to know each other. We're in right standing with each other. The moment you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're in right standing with God Almighty. And he's saying to you this morning, come boldly into my presence. Come boldly into my throne and talk to me because you and I have a relationship and we're in right standing right this minute. What does the devil tell you? 
Wow. You haven't prayed enough. You haven't read your Bible enough. Right? I know that word you said the other day at work. Right? <clears throat> so it's not true. He wants to use that to keep you away from God. So you have wisdom, you have righteousness, and you have sanctification. What's sanctification? Sanctification is that journey you're on as a Christian. You and I are on a journey. Everybody in this room is on a journey, and it's going to end up in heaven. Everybody's in a different place in their journey. That'll really help you, seriously. See, instead of me judging you and you judging me, how about we just recognize we're all in a different place on our journey? It really helps. Hey, we're all in a different place, and it's okay. Sanctification means as you walk, God works in you by the Holy Spirit, and he changes you. Do I change myself? Good Lord, no, I don't change myself. I'm terrible at changing myself. I want to change myself, but I'm not very good at it. Just ask Vicky, right? You know who changes me? The Holy Spirit changes me. Every time I read my Bible, every time I do my life, every time I'm walking, every time I'm praying, every time I'm doing what God asked me to do, he's sanctifying me. He's sanctifying you. When did that happen? The instant you invited Jesus into your heart. It belongs to you. Then the last thing it says we get is redemption. Redemption means to buy, to purchase. Okay, think about in the slavery days. And there's slavery today, I know that. People buy other people in slavery. Listen, Jesus has purchased you. He purchased you from darkness. He purchased you from the devil. He purchased you from destruction. And he didn't buy you with money. He bought you with his own blood. Now, don't miss this. You know what that means? It means you have incredible value. What if you begin to realize you had incredible value? Well, you'd quit acting the way you do a lot of times, wouldn't you? You've been purchased. You've been bought. You've been redeemed. All right. Now, I know there's a lot. I know. I'm with you. You're like, my gosh, Pastor. Here's what I want you to see. All of that belongs to you, and you got every bit of it the moment you invited Jesus into your heart as your Savior. God gave you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. When you accepted Christ, it became yours instantly. Now, you know what I do? I just walk in it. Do I blow it? Oh, Lord, yeah. Do I make mistakes? Oh, yeah. Do I do stupid stuff? Oh, yeah. And you know what I do when I do? I get up and dust myself off, and I keep walking. And I keep growing, and I keep changing, and I keep maturing. And God is working in me just like he is you. All of this happens because you're in Christ. Are you with me? Now, here's what religion does. You see, religion wants to set a standard and then point at you and say, you don't meet it. Imagine if I got some kind of marker, and I went over to the wall, and I drew a line. And I said, this is God's standard. Now, you meet it. Well, you can't. It's impossible. Are you right? Are you with me? You can't. That's what religion says. But you know what Jesus says? Jesus said, I'm the standard. I met the standard. And now the benefits and privileges belong to you. Now, just walk in them. Doesn't that set you free? It's so different than religion. Amen? All right, let me read you another verse. This is a new verse. This is 1 John 3, 1 and 2. 
This is so, so good. Listen to what it says. Let me get another drink. Behold, or look, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Now, stop right there. Leave that up, please. Hey, can I just give you a new slash? You're loved. You're loved by your Father. You're loved. You're loved by your Father. If you've never been loved by anybody, God loves you. And he loved you so much he sent his son. Amen? You know, Kurt and I work together, and we're together all the time. And, you know, he never tells me he loves me, and he never hugs me. And, and he doesn't. I'm just telling you the truth, okay? And, and he told me, he said, Dad, if I told you I loved you, I'd have to tell you ten times a day. And what's wrong with that? Right? I mean, he feels like, hey, I, you know, I'm busy. I got stuff to do. But he's been at camp, so I've been talking to him on the phone. And when we get done talking, he's been saying, I love you. So I wish he'd just stay at camp another week. <clears throat> I'm like, son, I love you. Hey, Dad, I love you too. All right, listen, you're loved by your Father. Look what it says. What manner of the love the Father's bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, that also means daughter. We should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Stop right there. Now, when it says world, it doesn't mean the rivers and the mountains. It doesn't mean nature. It means the culture that you and I live in that man has created. Listen, you know we live in a godless culture. Our culture is not interested in God. And because they don't know God, they don't know you. That's against what it means to live in the flesh. But it says right there that God loved us enough that he allowed you and I to become sons. We've become sons and we've become daughters. Let me keep reading to you. Now listen to this. This is so amazing. Beloved, now are we sons of God. Everybody say now. Are are you going to be a son and a daughter when you get to heaven? No, the Bible says now. When I invited Jesus into my heart, I became a son at that moment. Listen to it. Let me keep reading. Beloved, now are we sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. Now, oh, Oh, my gosh. Listen, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you became a son. Bobby, you're a son. Now, you're a natural son, but you're a spiritual son. You have two daddies. I got two. Amen? I got an earthly father, and I got a heavenly father. You have a good earthly father, and you have a good heavenly father. When did that happen? It happened when you accepted Christ as your Savior. It says, now are we the sons of God. Now, don't miss this. You're not a slave. You're not an orphan. You're not separated from God because you're a son. Right? You're not a slave, and you're not an orphan. You're a son. When did that happen? The moment I accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm a son, and I'm a daughter with all the rights, all the benefits, and all the privileges. Well, Pastor, what are those? Well, there's a whole bunch of them right here in this little blue book. First Corinthians just said that four of the benefits are wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Romans says that the sentence that was supposed to be put on me wasn't put on me. I get off the hook. Why? Because I'm in Christ. Let me go to another verse. This is Romans 8, 14, King James Version. Listen to what it says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
Now listen to this. The Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. It says that you've been adopted as a son and a daughter. Now, I don't know if you know what the word adoption means. You may think it doesn't mean something important, or maybe you feel like maybe it's second class, but it's not. The word adopt means to be placed as a son. Okay? My parents didn't choose me. Does that make sense? I was born. They didn't choose me. God did. When you adopt someone, you choose. God chose you. And he placed you in his kingdom as a son, as a daughter, with all the rights, all the benefits, and all the privileges. Then he said, go ahead and call me daddy. That's what Abba means. It's a term of affection. It's a term of love. God is saying, hey, come into my presence anytime you want to. I'm your daddy. I love you. I've placed you as a son. I've placed you as a daughter with all the rights, all the privileges, and all the benefits, and they're yours. When did it happen? The moment you accepted Christ as your Savior. Well, Pastor, it sure doesn't seem like that's a reality in my life. Well, as you begin to read those promises, they will become a reality in your life. Are you with me? All right, now, now, now let me keep reading. Listen to what this says. It says the Spirit itself. Now, that's a wrong translation. It should say himself. The Spirit's not an it. The Spirit is a being. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Stop right there. How many of you know you're a Christian? You know that you know, right? How do you know? Well, you know when you're knower, right? What do you mean, Pastor? You know in your heart. You know what that is? That's God's Spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you're a Christian, Hey, have you ever been around a believer that maybe was pretty new as a believer or maybe they struggled as a Christian and they always wondered if they were saved? Have you ever been around anybody like that? I had family members like that. And they would always say, man, I I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. Okay, when you know Jesus is your Savior, the Spirit bears witness with your spirit and you know you're born again. I know I'm born again. Not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a Christian. The Spirit bears witness with my spirit. Now listen to it. And if we're children or sons, here it is, then we're heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. Now don't miss this. I, I know I've given you a lot of info, but just don't miss this. When you became a son and daughter through birth, you became an heir. What's an heir? An heir is somebody that inherits what somebody has. Family. If Stephen is my heir, then whatever I have belongs to him when I die, correct? Now, here's what's so amazing. Jesus has died and raised from the dead, and you've inherited the kingdom. And the Bible is the last will and testament. You see, the Bible's a will. If you go to the lawyer to read somebody's will, they tell you what you, you know, you get a letter in the mail, and it says, hey, you've inherited $100,000, you need to come by. Would you have time to go by? Would you? You'd make time, right? And the lawyer says, hey, so-and-so, you know, Aunt Lucy left you $100,000. Well, I didn't know I had an Aunt Lucy. Well, you do, and she loved you. Yeah? Thank God for Aunt Lucy, amen? And she left you $100,000. 
Okay, Jesus died, and the Bible is his last will and testament, and it's full of his promises that belong to you, and you've inherited the kingdom. Now, I've said this lots of times in church, but can I just say it again for fun? Folks, we didn't inherit the pew. We inherited the kingdom. We didn't inherit the pew. We've inherited the kingdom. And it says that you and I are heirs. Then it says we're joint heirs. All right, let's just imagine that Stephen and I have the same father and that he owns a lot of stuff and that when he passes away, he gives it to both of us and makes us joint heirs. What does that mean? That means we don't divide it down the middle. It means everything belongs to Stephen and everything belongs to me. We're joint heirs. Does that make sense? Okay, the verse I just read says that you and I are joint heirs. Man, isn't that good? Golly. So everything belongs to you and everything belongs to me. Everything belongs to you and everything belongs to me. Now, I know in the natural you think, well, that's weird. How's that going to work? Well, it's going to work because Father God's in charge of all of it. Amen? And we're not in charge. You know, people will hurt you for money. You know that, right? Yeah, families fight and do terrible things over money. But God says the kingdom is mine, the kingdom is yours, and we're heirs and we're joint heirs. Wow. Wow. My daddy's rich. Yours is too. I'm from the right side of the tracks. So are you. Yeah, we're from the right bloodline. Yeah, we're sister and brother. That all really means something. Instead of it just being a fairy tale, right? And it happened the moment you accepted Christ as your Savior. You're in Christ. What if you took a few minutes this week and read this little book? How many pages? 32 pages. That's not very, no, that's not very many, right? I know this is a struggle for you men, guys, right? That's why I got a little book. 32 pages, right? And find out who you are and find out what belongs to you. And you know what happens? It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all stand up. Let me pray for you.